had enough of the been there, done that ideas, tired of too much talk and so little action. Rewind now and welcome to Transformation and Change Radio with Dr. Kathy O'Bear, where the vision of true equity, inclusion, courage, and purpose meet powerfully. Dr. Kathy delivers with dynamic, engaging conversation and the most authentically brave dialogue on air today. This hit show will challenge you to explore current issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion and deepen your capacity to choose courage to speak up to greater inclusion in everything you do. Fasten your seatbelts and accelerate your effectiveness to become a powerful change agent in your life, community, job, and society. Imagine true equity and inclusion and get the tools to really manifest your vision. No frills, no fluff, just really powerful, good stuff. Transformation and Change Radio starts now. Welcome to Center for Transformation Change Radio. I could not be more excited to welcome back to the show the Reverend Dr. Jamie Washington, Washington Consulting Group. Hello, dear one. Hello. Hello. So glad to be here. Oh, so glad to be here. End of 2021. Couldn't think of any better way to end without you and reflecting back. What, if anything, have we collectively, individually learned since the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Armand Armory, and so many others? The resurgence of some re-demand for racial reckoning and final racial justice a year and a half ago, and where are we now? And so thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Grateful to be here and to just kind of take a deep breath together as we close out 2021, right? Mm. Um, and, uh, and that feels particularly important right now as we honor the life and the legacy of Bell Hooks mm. um, and invite her energy and spirit of love and light into the room um, who's, uh, beca- who, who now joins us in the ancestral space um, and uh, shoulders that we stand on and has made a difference for so many of us who um, are in the work and will continue the legacy. Hmm. Yeah. Talking a legacy over 35 plus years, you've been working in higher ed, church organizations, consulting and training full-time now, 20 plus years. Am I right? Mm-hmm. And I was trying to remember when we first started working together, and I think it was the early to mid 80s at some of those (laughs) national conference, American College Personnel Association, ACPA. And then we've been consulting and training together on and off over 30 years, because I remember early 90, 91. Yes. (laughs) And I'm just so grateful for you as a friend, colleague, mentor, leader, your patience and grace to help me learn and grow over these decades, because I would not be the person I am today without you in my life. And we started, co-created the Social Justice Training Institute. We started talking probably mid-90s, but 97 for sure, 98. We did our first one with Vernon Wall and Mark Collin. And, and I know that experience of SJTI, where we're still active and in leadership, um, has shaped so much of who I am in this world that I am helping to co-create. So from the deepest part of my heart, my friend, love you dearly. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that goes back double. You know, I'm just reminded of, you know, how quickly 30 years can go. Right. Um, You know, it feels like a blink and it's a flash and 
here we are, you know, some 30 some odd plus years later, um, uh, kind of in the work um, together. So I'm just feeling really grateful for um, our time, our learning, our journey. And what is, you know, more and more clear to me every day is we're not going to finish it. Right? We're we not going to get it all done. Um, and hopefully, um, and I do trust and believe and feel like this work has, has mattered. Um, and uh, that I uh, want to believe that we had some small part in helping to move the needle. But I'm very convinced, even, even now more than ever, that the work will continue. And what I see as a part of my um, commitment over this next four to five, before I slow way down, drop it into lower gear, I'm not saying I'm going to stop or being a contribution, but um, have no intention of continuing at the pace and the level. Um, I, I see part of my responsibility is to help prepare the handoff to really um, pass the baton and get ready to pass the baton and to do that in a way that's honoring of not only the work and the legacy and the journey and the things we've learned, but also the brilliance of those who are coming behind us, um, who will pick up and you know, move to the next level, just as we have um, stood on the shoulders of so many who helped us to be in this space. I'm taking a deep breath, remembering all those who I've learned with, mm. you know, a lot of them. Mm. Um, and a lot of much younger people than I am who are my teachers today, which is flipping on its head. I don't know about you as a black man, but when I grew up as a white woman, I was taught if you just go along, get along, work hard, don't push back, your time will come when you get to be the leader. And, you know, I don't know, 20, whatever, that all flipped. And it may never have been true. It just might have been more whiteness and white supremacy culture propaganda to keep white women particularly in line. Uh, but what a different world we live in where people are leaders from many different places, ages, positions. And why don't we use that to tr transition into, um, I had a lot more hope a year and a half ago. Mm. I had a lot more hope when folks were in the streets, when most every organization, my guess is similar to you, that called me, asked me to work. They sounded different. There were more white people particularly showing up. And a year and a half after the murder of George Floyd, I'm feeling a very different energy in higher ed, possibly nonprofit. But can you just talk about what's the last year and a half been like for you from your perspective? What have you been realizing and learning? Um, anything you're doing differently? And that'll just kick us off and then we'll see where we go. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, as, as you name kind of this journey we've been on that, you know, in a couple of months will mark two years of, you know, uh, in this health pandemic, right? Um, and then, you know, almost a year and a half again in the resurgence um, and the reminder of uh, racism, systemic racism and white supremacy that got manifested in the murders of George Floyd and Maude Aubrey and Breonna Taylor and so many others, right? In that space and time. Uh, but, the, but the world got to watch the nine minutes, right? That um, again, um, you know, sparked something. 
Um, and, and again, as you name in particularly, you know, so we know that there have been uh, white abolitionists. We know that white people have always been in it. It's never just been us um, as uh, uh, BIPOC folk. Um, uh, and that last year um, took that to another level, mm -hmm. particularly in our time, right? In our, in our, in our, in our lifetime. Um, and, um, and so I too, like you found myself within organizations, uh, with leadership groups, with boards, you know, trustees and with, with all white organizations, you know, not, 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 not being, um, called to action by members in their group. Cause there weren't no members in their group, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, by their own, you know, kind of looking at the landscape and their own hearts and passions to, to do something. Um, and I think that, um, that part of uh, white culture, part of dominant culture is um, to do something, right? That, that's, that's the answer to, and again, I agree, something needs to be done, mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes we move to the doing something before we understand what and why we need to and how that's connected. And so we, we've not done the work around what's our real motivation. And you do such a beautiful job when we're together in different spaces saying, what's your motivation for social justice? What's your motivation for anti-racism? What's under that for you? What, what's going to keep you in it when it gets hard? Mm -hmm. Right? Yes, it does. Because it's going to get hard. Right. And and it's going to take long and you're not going to feel like it. And it ain't going to go like you thought it was supposed to go this nice, easy path. And so this asking of what people's motivation is, um, is important. And I don't think that um, moving to action too quickly often creates the space for us to be grounded in why we are doing this and why this matters. Um, and then the recognition that um Caring about doesn't mean I have capacity to, right? It's another T-shirt. <laughs> That's good. Hey, um, so you know, I, um, so so the, so the learning how to create this thing, and sometimes I don't even know. I've not even had the capacity to envision what it might look like. Um, but if I have had, if if I do have some idea of you know, and, and a more anti-racist campus would look like this. And we would look at that. If I do that, how to get from what it would look like to what it looks like now is a whole different thing, right? And my experience, and I appreciate your feeling like I'm not feeling as hopeful, is people are learning or getting more exposure to the what it's going to take, mm -hmm. right? To, to get to that, right? And, and, um, and I don't think that folks are, um, without the clear motivation, what's in it for me, why this matters, why they, they're not invested, uh, they're not willing to invest um, uh, the, what, what, it, what it's gonna take. The, the sitting in the room, going through the difficult conversation with the people who don't get it, or the people who don't agree, or um, the folks who think they get it more and have no patience for those who don't get it and building the capacity to create containers um, and be with people in their process 
so that they can, so that we can see ourselves on the other side. Um, so that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing lots of wanting to do, lots of passion. I'm seeing lots of disappointed BIPOC folk and other minoritized folk because it seemed like y'all was going to do something. Y'all, y'all invested, y'all called, y'all, uh, and here we are right back at the same place. Um, uh, and, and not a whole lot is happening. So uh, I see some disappointment. And in all honesty, I do see some conversations that have at least gotten started. Mm-hmm. Now, they, they, that might be where they're stalling out. And I think that's something that some of the stuff that's happening right now is the stalling out and the spinning, right? Um, lots of assessment, lots of gathering data, uh, <laughs> lots of what to gather data, focus groups, uh, cultural audits, lots of that. Um, and I was actually on a call just today where folks want, now that you've gathered the data, now tell us how to do this. No, no, no. Our part was to get you the information. So now you within your content, now we'll help you, right? You know, kind of think through that. But um, we cannot design your strategy for you, right? So um, we need to do something and we want you, just tell us what to do. That's that's the classic thing. Just tell us what to do. So we can we can say, they told us to, to do that. And blame you. Blame and blame us. you um, when it doesn't, you know, uh, kind of go easy or smooth. Yeah, yeah that might be. In fact, what you need to do, but having the capacity to do it is a whole nother level of work. Uh, and, uh, and so, again, the language building capacity to do the work, I think, again, for many folks, um, lands jargony <laughs> because they don't know what building capacity means. What does building capacity to do this work mean. And I think that what I've gotten clear about even in the last couple of months um, is, is like, how do I think about capacity, right? Um, and, and, and again, it's, it's, it's for me the, uh, the bandwidth, the skills, the tools to hold, to navigate, um, to be with, to experiment, um, and um, different than competence, um, there's something about, because we talk about you need to have the competence to do this, 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 and this, um, and there is, there's something both head and heart about capacity that comes up for me. It's, it's, it's more than just the skills. Um, so there's some will in that. Um, yeah, it's, and some other things. Anyway, it's coming up. Resolve, resilience, yes, persistence yeah, coming yeah, up in yeah. me. But as I'm hearing you, James, um, I'm remembering it took me decades to shift from I'm right, I know better, oh, good, you want to work with me. All right, I'm in charge, do what I want. Uh, to truly listening deeply, hearing your wisdom, following your leadership, and partnering. And I don't know how to teach that to white folks. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the process, I can claim it and name it, talk about it. But mm-hmm. shifting from that deficit model, whites mm-hmm. are superior, I'm better. 
I don't think it takes the decades it took me and I'm still not done because I can still mm-hmm. run into those racist white supremacist mm-hmm. thoughts and a blink. But the truly humility and recognizing the brilliance, wisdom, decades uh, of wisdom, knowledge, capacity that most white leaders don't have compared to the folk of color in their organizations, even if they're 30 years younger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a huge ask for people in their 50s, 60s who are white leaders needs to be, but to have those shifts. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about what helps. Maybe it's all leaders, but particularly white leaders to shift, to be learners with, follow the wisdom leadership of particularly mm-hmm. younger BIPOC colleagues, clients, students. Yeah. And so you know, kind of what, what, what comes up for me is, again, it goes back to motivation. Mm-hmm. You know, I got this, this whole notion that um, my motive, I've got to, I really want this, right? So the question that sometimes has gotten asked to um, uh, Robin D'Angelo, um, do you think white people really care? you know, about the experience of, and she says, well, it doesn't appear so, <laughs> um, in terms of what it takes us to really get invested in it, right? Um, and so, um, you know, I think in terms of what it takes to teach, the part of it is a very, it's a willing learner, right? So mm-hmm. I'm working with some, uh, several seminaries right now. Mm. And, and one of the uh, seminaries that I'm working with, one of the faculty members talks about um, kind of racism as America's original sin, mm-hmm. right? And that being anti-racist and dismantling racism is a part of our Christian responsibility, right? Right. Um, Good. Um, and talks about it in the way that um, uh, um, he talks about it, um, through a 12-step analysis, Mm-hmm. The 12th step, right? So, you know, kind of the, I'm powerless to, you know, you know, do this without myself. I need, I, I've got to, you know, do all of the, all of those 12 steps is very powerful in terms of recovery, right? That that's what we're needing to do. Um, and that uh, he teaches a class that walks students through wow. that t- using the 12 step framework to dismantle anti-racism, right? Right. Um so again, you know, it's it's, hum, it's humbling, you know, it's hum, humbling myself, it's recognizing the power, it's owning that I am, right? And so another uh, religious uh, leadership group that I was working with talks about um, the the, uh, the vice president was saying to in in his body, they're saying you must confess before you can address. That's good, right? right? So you have got to admit your problem, that that you have this stuff in you, that you should, you know, in the ways that you have modeled down through the years, right, and and gotten clearer about, I still had an attitude of arrogance. I still had an attitude that I was right. I still had an And it it, it, it took me a minute to to confess that, right? Um, And to confess that beyond just with my mouth, right? Uh, It's like acknowledging fully that that's my, my attitude, my spirit, my feeling, you know, right. Um, and to, so that I can begin to address that. Right. Um, and that at the, at my core, that is not who and where I want to be. Right. And so, um, 
you know, you can't fix what you won't face. So you got to face it first right, so that you can get there. So when I think about how we teach that there's some, um, again, it's, it's a uh, slow walk, right? So it's, it, it is an investment, right? And so we get to do some of that in an SJTI when we've got five days, right? Um, and, you know, two and a half of those or so are in race groups where we really just working this stuff to, to, to at least create the moment, right, of a confession, if you will, mm-hmm. right, um, right, to create the moment. And then the work, right, to continue, continue from that space. Uh, but I think, uh, and, and again, um, the, and what we get to do as BIPOC folks in that space is to find um, our own, in, not only our own internalized oppression, but um, our own complicit um, uh, internalized whiteness um, and how we um, have uh, been partners in helping to maintain this, uh, often out of survival, mm-hmm. right, um, uh, from... Uh, uh, from a conscious place, uh, but because we just drank the Kool-Aid, it said white was more right. And, you know, th- that's how we're, what we've seen is success, you know, how we've navigated success. Um, so, uh, I, again, working with another group where the, 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 because of the dynamic, the person of color saying, oh, we are right here. Yeah. That's who, that's who we white people hire. Exactly. Right. And, and so, and so, and, and then as a, as a white person who is actually, you know, actively trying to live anti-racism, who recognizes that as a dynamic, but don't have the skills to then speak to that dynamic or to navigate that as a dynamic in the room. Right. Um, uh, but 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 then you know feel stuck because everybody turns to that person. See see see, and you're saying you're making, but the but the token, but the mob, you know, the one we got in the room, because um, you you can't possibly know more than they know, right? So it's it's a it's, it's a very real, complex, nuanced. Um, dynamic that this systemic racism is set up for us is positioned this way. It is. And I have no idea, but what comes up as I hear you is having that group talk about, well, what is our vision of an anti-racist, racially just and cool? And then that's when the data might also be useful, not only for the white leaders, but to support the internal, probably younger change agents who are seeing what's possible white and of color. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a dynamic I bet in higher eds, very common, <coughs> possibly corporations for sure, maybe nonprofits. And, you know, you're an elder and I apologize. I didn't say this earlier, um, the unity fellowship church movement, and you're the pastor of the unity fellowship church of Baltimore. And my wonder is how much churches across racialized identities, there still might be, uh, I got something, we got just a couple minutes left. What do you want to say about that? Um, so I, I didn't get I didn't get all of the questions. So we might need to get it when we come back. But you were just starting, so we got a few minutes. Just say the question. Just like church leadership, white and a color, 
might be also maintaining the status quo with, within religious organizations. Sure, sure. Um, so let's, uh, let's tackle that when we come back together. Um, uh, I think that the, the role, again, just like I said, we're working with some of these seminaries um, and religious institutions, this, this, the idea of um, what's spirituality and religion got to do with it and what's mm-hmm. our responsibility as white religious slash spiritual leaders um, to um, help to navigate and to manage this. I got, a, I got an ask to speak to um, uh, something about a, a space and experience coming together um, uh, for, for, for anti-racism racism stuff. And uh, is this experience going to invite all of us into the room or is it going to be blaming and shaming? It's an indicator of where the organization is. Exactly. Exactly. And this is, uh, uh, and so what, what my response is, is this, is this a real question? Um, And are you asking so that I can help you to be able to talk to people about being in the space um, and not being so afraid to come in it because they think that's what's going to happen? Or are you critiquing the naming of the space, right? Are, are you saying, um, because you've got something in your head that an anti-racist space is going to be one that's going to beat up, right, um, uh, white people? And if that's what, what you, if that's what that, what's going on, then not a whole lot of conversation will matter. Right. If you're wanting to just justify your position for not showing up or not in, encouraging your people to go, that's one thing. But if you're really trying to see, is this going to be a space um, where we, we can all be in the room, then we get to talk about that. And then we get to talk about that in a way that doesn't say where well, certainly I don't need to say we all going to be comfortable. Right? Um, but it does get to say um, it's going to be a space where we're all invited into the room. Um, And it's not about blaming and shaming. It's about owning and understanding um, our our part and what we've inherited and and so on. And and, and what your part, how your part looks differently than mine. And as a group, when folk of color are clear, direct and name and truth, white folks, you attacked me, you're blaming shaming. And it's just versions of white fragility as um, I just all too know, but I'm seeing it more in the last moment before break. Could you just let people know how they can find you if they want to see how you can work with them, speak with organization? Absolutely. Washingtonconsultinggroup.net. And you can just just go there and you can uh, reach out to us and we will get back with you. We generally um, respond to those asks during regular seasons within you know 24 to 48 hours uh after tomorrow we will not be responding to those requests <laughs> until 2022 um and that's the second week of that year so we are taking care mm. uh, as we so need to do the work yeah and we may come back to that this is sure. center for transformation yes. change radio the reverend dr jamie washington what if anything have we learned since the murder of George Floyd and so many others. We'll see you in a few moments. Did you know that when we talk about the Earth's ecosystems, the most important ecosystem has been left out? 
you, we created the ecosystem approach to recapture human potential. Find us at theecosystemapproach.org. Join us every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for the Ecosystem Approach Show with Jason and Patricia on TransformationTalkRadio.com. So excited to be back with the Reverend Dr. Jamie Washington of Washington Consulting Group and Unity Fellowship Church of Balmer. I slipped into my Maryland. You did. I saw it. I Balmer. saw it. A Balmer. <laughs> I was born. Memorial right. Hospital right. Balmer. Um, we left off talking about your work with folks in religion. And I, religious church, theology, the, whatever that T word Seminaries. is. There right. it is. It's an S word. And you, re- you reminded me, I just finished up some work, nine months maybe, with the senior leaders and the staff of a large Catholic organization. Um, and it really took many deep sessions to get honest, authentic, and then to really publicly claim and own the racist white supremacist history of Catholicism that was still influencing uh, and how that might be playing out, playing out today in their policies, practices, norms, engagement how they recruit on board. So that's mm-hmm. what you reminded me of. So, yeah. so, you know, often we'll talk about the only place um, slower to move than higher education is the church. Um, and, um, you know, cause we got this whole narrative that has us, you know, at our cores be good people. Right. Um, and I, I'm not saying that we're not, but good people can't be racist, which is a problem, right? Um, so we get into this notion of good and badness and it, um, it slows us up. It really, it stalls us out and has a spin, right? And so um, this, uh, again, the notion of working with uh, religious leaders and I speak specifically from the space of Christianity um, uh, and not saying that there isn't um, this similar dynamic in other faith traditions. Um, but I, I speak to the space that I know, and I know the Christian space. Um, and the, the notion of good and evil, right and wrong, black and white, is a part of Christian hegemony. And so that part of our attention is the either or thinking that's embedded in our theology and the ways mm-hmm. that we make meaning in the world. So, so it's a, it's 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 a struggle, right? Because if this, then therefore that can't be, or that must be, and, and so on. Um, and so, working with uh, why I um, enjoy not only teaching um, as a part of uh, seminary training and being in, being in the classroom in that way, but also working with seminary leaders is because. Um, the role of uh, the church is so important in informing, again, how, you know, how people think and see and make meaning. And there is a power of the pulpit. There is a very, it's a very powerful space. And while not the space for everyone, it is a space that informs um, things even outside of the church. So people who don't, you don't have to attend church to be impacted by church um, or definitely to be impacted by um, Christianity in in this country, right? Um, and the and the uh, you know ideologies and the messages around that. And so um, it's just a very very uh, critical 
space for us to engage this notion of white supremacy because white supremacy is a product of Christian supremacy, right? Which uh, is all kinds of messy, right? Um, and if if folks, you know, it's like, what came first? Christian supremacy, uh, Christian hegemony came before white supremacy. And, um, you know, really understanding the role, and, and, and I'm not saying Christians made white people supreme, but I'm saying that those, those things are linked, the, the ideologies, the mindsets, the, you know, good, bad, the right and the wrong, the obey your Matthew, the ways that that got understood um, uh, is, is very much impacted, you know, uh, through the lens of religion. That was, um, that was a hard place for me to get to. That was a very hard place for me to get to, because even as I began my work, um, and um, we know uh, Bobby Harris' work around the cycle of suppression and socialization. And so as I, as I did that whole cycle and I went through born, um, early socialization, uh, where, where we got socialized family and, and, and then instant, you know, um, and, uh, and we talk about government, media, education and religion, I skip religion because we talk about the cycle of oppression and all those other places had a role in oppression, but not religion. Right. So you can't you can't mess with my church now. Don't be talking about the church. Um, and when I began to really have to look at how religion contributed to the cycle, um, that, that was a harder space um, because, and again, I know that particularly as we talk about the intersection of race and for minoritized folks and particularly black and brown folks and Asian folks as well um, and native and indigenous, um, our religious spaces have often been our sanctuaries and the spaces that we've gone to navigate, to, to, to heal from the bombs that we've gotten to navigate white supremacy and uh, systemic racism that we navigate every day, right? And so um, we hadn't considered the role that those also played in the construction. Uh, so looking at the history of colonization, imperialism driven by yeah. church, whether it's Catholic or Christian, yeah, yeah. Um, and then to own how some of the theology even today is what I'm hearing may still be grounded in whiteness, mm -hmm. superior, folk of color, less mm -hmm. than, and how that's a huge, mm -hmm. especially as folks of color to look at in religion. And mm -hmm. it's huge for whites to how do you find the beauty of spirituality, religion, while also owning the past and the current dynamics of racism, sure. classism. Mm -hmm. Sexism, misogyny, yep. we could keep That's going. Right. Heterosexism. Mm -hmm. yeah. And folks that are listening, as you said, that may not be active participants, any kind of Christian, how might this be similar in other? And folks that are more spiritual or agnostic atheists recognize that most organizations, I wasn't going to say this, I don't know if I believe it, but most organizations in the U.S. are probably replicating the same kind of oppressive dynamics that came out of absolutely uh, since with George Floyd being murdered, I realized I didn't have enough understanding of the history of how white supremacy was created to explain 
economic exploitation and justify and racist attitudes and deficit model. Whites are here, folk of color here to justify greed, racist practices. So um, you're adding another piece for me around how the church and many religious were part of that. So absolutely. And again, it, you know, um, and I feel like I want to say, I don't want this to be heard as a blaming of Christians, right? It is to be heard as a recognition of, system, of the system of Christian hegemony and Christian dominance, right? Um, like it's not a blaming of individual white people, right? Um, uh, and just like we don't, we're not throwing out white people, we're not throwing out Christians. But again, that's a part of the confessing to addressing, right? Uh, we must begin to honestly look at the role that these um, structures and systems and ideologies have played in maintaining status quo. And maybe similarly, see what you think of this, the folks that have a strong religious way of being and are working to dismantle racism systemically, calling out That's the right. white folk and folk of color who mm -hmm. are perpetuating white supremacy and racism from the pulpit mm -hmm. uh, in the name of a higher power, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hand in hand with political folk. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and... Um, it, it, again, it's our responsibility um, if we are operating from a love ethic, right? To um, not uh, see something and not say something, right? Um, and, uh, you know, we building the skills and the capacity again to, to be in that space and to be able to hold this and this can be true, right? Not this or this. Right? And that's a part of the tension. So folks listening, especially in this moment in time, whether it's a religious organization, nonprofit, corporate, higher ed, maybe feeling how I'm feeling, which is the leaders have been backing off. As you said, folk of color disappointed. I've heard anger, frustration. I'm out of here. Maybe there's some place that's at least a little better. Mm -hmm. um, so if leaders are not going to lead, what can folks two, three, four levels down, what can they, what are they doing? What can they be doing? Cross-race coalition building, but how do you still keep anti-racism, dismantling racism moving along when leaders are now maybe focused on something else? Right. So what uh, one of the other pieces I got in this last year and a half is, Leaders will abdicate their responsibility to lead in order not to look incompetent. T-shirt. That's really good. Right. So they know they need to, but they don't know how. Yeah. So they will abdicate their responsibility to lead so that they don't look incompetent. So they you know, put it off on somebody else, they assign it to, to the provost, they assign it to a committee, they assign it somewhere um, uh, down the line so that they don't have to look like they don't know what they're doing. Again, there is a need for the humility that you name, 
to be able to get the support, the coaching, the teaching, you know, and again, uh, there's something in this notion of uh, systemic racism that has, if I don't know how to do this, I'm a racist, right? I'm a bad person, right? And I don't, and I can't, you know, I don't want to, you know, kind of admit that. Um, So, uh, you know, kind of shifting that narrative is all another part of it, right? Um, And it's hard to shift that narrative in the context where there's so much pain and folks are, um, you know, expressing that pain in ways that don't, you know, create the space where you feel like I could just say, oh, no, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right? Um, Because justifiably, it's like, how you get to that position and not know? Right, right. So there again is some understanding of, uh, you know, from here and from here, that that's how systemic racism has worked, right? And so, yes, I have every right to expect my leadership to have that, but I know because of systemic racism, you likely don't, right? Again, the both and, right? Um, And so, because I know that systemically you haven't had to have that capacity. You haven't had to know how to lead in that. Um, I need you to be able to own that you don't know how or um, that you don't have the capacity. I need you to show up with some humility and listen to us when we tell you stuff, right? Um, and and I, I, I've got more space for that, um, uh, but you're, you're disappearing and you're putting off and and you're advocating your responsibility that just then just puts me in this place that's more doing more harm, re-traumatizing um, me feeling like, again, this is more performative and I'm doing more psychic emotional uh, labor to, you know, kind of manage this. So I think that, you know, kind of what can we do from this place, right? Um, in terms of building our own capacity to, you know, help to move the needle is we've got to hold the whole thing. That's that's our skill set too. We have to get in spaces where we can know, one, this is not about us. Like we didn't create this. We are not the problem, right? So we have to be in community. We can't have ourselves alone out there in this, you know, trying to, um, trying to do it. Collaboration, coalition building, all of that, again, feels like more work, yep. And in order to do it, we've got to be, in community with others and build relationship with others, uh, like the relationship that we had, where we can be in it in the tension so that we can get to the other side of it. You've got to know that there are, uh, and again, Bell talks about it, there's grace and love. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there just is no substitution for it. And I recognize that some folks like, uh-uh, not my part, <laughs> not, not doing no grace and love part, right? And again, that's a part of the dynamic. You got to hold that everybody not going to be there. Everybody not going to do that. And as change agents, you have to be able to navigate with that as a truth, right? Um, because somebody going to have to show up with some grace and some love and some forgiveness and some understanding and some accountability and all of that in order um, to, to continue to, to, to move the work or else everybody just ends up dead in the street. 
Right. Uh, uh, so, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm fine. I actually am quite fine with the folks who who see their purpose and their calling is to stir it up. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here to do. I'm, I'm here to continue to have it be in your face that this is not acceptable. That's mine. Right. Um, and, um, and, 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 I, and, you know, and, and I, I'm not in the space to make those people wrong at all. Right. Um, we wouldn't uh, be here without centuries it, of folk willing exactly, to put themselves out. There. Exactly. Um, uh, and as we seek to change institutions and transform cultures, um, there's going to need to be the both end um, in that. Um, uh, so uh, I think that from this, from the place of, so we don't have the leaders showing up in, in, in the, in the leadership way that we need them to do, right? What we do get to, and we talked about this as we were preparing for the potential virtual SJTI experience, we talked about the circle of concern and the circle of uh, control and influence, right? And so here's here's a concern, it's a leadership doesn't know and all of the, 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 you know, the infrastructure ain't in place. Here's the circle of control and influence, right? So these are the spaces at which I can do something. And what that something looks like is different, you know, depending upon where you are. It's like, you know, I, I got this department and I know that I can help to unpack. I work, I work with this group of students and I know that I get to recommend this and I get to do that or whatever. And I also know that I have the ear of this person. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't have the ear of this one. That ain't listening to it, but I got the ear of this one. Who has the ear of this one? And then it can say something in this room, right? So, so as I talk about the leading up, um, and the and the and the being a model and the showing and so on and so forth. So it's not I I don't um I don't live in hopelessness. Um, I I live in um, I recognize that there are days that feel harder than others. Um, but as I look at us, I look at the work that we've done, I look at people all across the, the globe, right, um, that um, get up every day um, and are um, helping folks to see and to name things, uh, that, that the, the work is not in vain, right? Um, so I, I think, Kath, for me, and, and we know that in the Diverse community foundations that we share at SJTI is this one of the key things is, is acknowledge, celebrate, and appreciate progress. Um, and so when I'm working from the place of influence and control, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, when I'm only working from the place of concern, right, um, then I can't see what happened this year that did not happen last year. What we got to do this year, the conversation we got to have, the people who were invited, the length of time we stayed in the room, you know, um, in, that, in, in that discussion, the fact that this did, you know, occur. I, I don't see it if I only stay in this place. And so I'm not saying just be here, right? Because both of these matter, right? Um, but um, to simply live here does not 
honor the labor of folks who get up every day for Black Lives Matter and um, uh, walk, walk um, move through the streets um, uh, as uh, Black trans folks, as Latinx non-binary folks um, uh, who, who have jobs today and are in college today. And it simply was not the case 15, 20 years ago um, in the same ways. Um, you, you dishonor Pose, the, the, the impact of Pose um, uh, and its impact on the country, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's just, so, so for me, there has to be a, a recognition that, you know, like, like we can change the whole industry, but, um, you know, and, uh, you know, Billy, um, Porter, Porter, Billy Porter's book is coming out. Um, mm, that's right. Just about to come out where he's talking about, um, the journey to pose, right. Mm. Journey to his iconic status today and uh, to not pretend like, uh, well, well, we celebrating this gown I got on the day. <laughs> um, uh, this ain't been how it's been, right? And so um, I think that's some of it. And if it weren't Billy Porter, many places, it's still dangerous, life-threatening. That's right, exactly. And it may still be for Billy to be that. That's right, that's um, right. And as I hear you, I know how many times white folks have done, well, look how far we've come. That's not what we're talking about that. Oh, and using as excuse resistance to more transformational change it actually is a healing energy process of, as you said, celebrate, acknowledge, honor those who've been doing decades right. of work, what's happening now, to get the energy for the next layer of work that needs to be right. done. Exactly. And, I, and, I, and, and I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that, um, added that caveat, Kathy, because I am talking about honoring the labor of the people who've been in the fight. That's, so, so I'm not talking about the, anybody trying to get a badge. For well, but we yeah we you know we elected a President Obama, um, and uh, look at Oprah and uh, actually you didn't even vote for President Obama, <laughs> so you didn't elect him right um, and um, and uh, so so not to not in in the space where we're just trying to say what do you because sometimes the how far we've come is what do you people want yeah right um, yeah. And, uh, you don't deserve any more. You're lucky right. we gave right. you that what, much. What more can we do, do? Right, right. That's not fair that we still have to be talking about getting y'all forty acres and a mule and and all this stuff. Uh, so, yeah, we just have a few minutes left. Uh, this we elected a black president without acknowledging the white supremacist backlash that came with the next election and is still here, increasing right. in so many ways. So, in the last couple moments. Because my guess, if folks are listening now or over the break, I, I think more folks are leaning in the not very hopeful side. And so what would you say to folks that are just needing to re-energize, know they're going to be in the fight, but are feeling pretty hopeless today? So my, um, my son and uh, his spouse and I had dinner um, with Sam and I um, a few weeks ago, and we talked about 2022 what we're looking forward to mm. and blair named joy 
that I'm simply going to live into joy. Hmm. Um, and it's very, very powerful. And then invited us all into joy, right? And to talk about how we're not going to allow the circumstance to define our joy, right? Um, and so that's been, that's stuck with me since last Sunday evening when we were together. Um, and, you know, even, you know, as I, as, I, as I, you know, sit back and I reflect on that, I recognize um, that, you know, that can be, you know, contextual, right? And so your joy does not necessarily look like my joy um, and my having joy, you know, you know. Um, so how we define joy, which is also- um, Racial. Uh, it's racialized <laughs> and as a, as a framework, um, is privileged. Mm. So there's, there's this, right? There's a privilege becomes being able to, to live in the joy. It's hard to be in joy when you're hungry and you ain't got no food. Mm. And you, about, you know, so it's, 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 it's all of this um, stuff that, that, that's wrapped up in it. But what, um, and what I'm also left with is um, what's the energy that I want to put in the world and what's the energy that I want to take in, mm. right? Um, and, you know, th there, there is a, there's enough out there, right, that would have me be despondent and down. And, but, but I choose joy. I choose joy and love as a way that I want to live and as a way I want to be with and for others, right? So I choose that, right? And if that's what you choose, you have to actively live into that. Right. You cannot let the external um, things that might take you away from living in that define that it can impact it. But allowing it to define whether you have joy and peace and happiness and caring um, is a choice. It's, an, it's a choice that you get to make. Um, and so whatever you need to do, uh, my grandson just left here. Um, joy. Right. Um, he didn't want to leave. He wanted to play my iPad. And so I knew, I said to him, I said, well, we're going to play trouble when you come back next week, which lifted his spirit, right? I want, I want to live into, uh, want you to live into the joy, not into the disappointment that you got to leave right now. But I, uh, you know, I appreciate it. I get that. So, so I invite folks into caring for yourself and find, and, and define it. What's your decision? What, what are you going to decide? to live into? What's the space? And so um, if you want to decide to live in the peace, you want to decide to live in the joy, what are you going to decide to do? As change agents and leaders for centuries have been doing, Reverend Dr. Jamie Washington, the Washington Consulting Group, I love you in my soul. Thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Kathy O'Bear. We're going to start looking at issues of class and classism with Dr. Becky Martinez starting in the next round and can't wait to invite you back. All of you deep rest, deep soul searching as you begin this new year. All the best to y'all. You've been listening to Dr. Kathy O'Bear on Transformation Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to catch us next time as Kathy inspires listeners to become agents of change, motivate, innovate, and speak truth to power. Step into the courageous you that will change the world. Connect to life-changing conversations to extend your reach. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. 
That's drkathyobear.com.